0: Thanks for listening to the Grace Life Podcast. We all wish we had more direction in life. We have so many questions about work, marriage, family, our future. Many times we just wish we knew what God was saying. When you hear someone say God spoke to them, you ever wonder, but how did they hear God? What does He even sound like? Or does He still speak to us today? Join us for a series on hearing God's voice and how we can learn the way He communicates with us. in a series uh, called Hearing God's Voice. We began last week, so today is part two of that. The entire series for five weeks is built upon one theological truth, and that is this. God wants to dwell with his people and speak to his people. God wants to be among his people. God wants to speak to his people. He wants them to hear his voice. So we took time last week to look in the Bible and to prove that point that all throughout the Old Testament, all the way into the New Testament, before Jesus and when Jesus came, that it has always been God's plan that God would dwell with his people and God would speak to his people. That's why Jesus said, it's to your advantage that I go away. Because when I do, I'm going to fill every one of my believers with the Spirit of God, and they're going to hear God's voice, they're going to know God's presence, God's going to dwell with them, and God is going to speak to them. And so last week, we began to talk about one of the voices that we are going to, we're just going to categorize the way God speaks into three voices. And we began to look at the first one of those, and it was his spiritual voice. And that means that God can speak to us through our thoughts. God can speak to us through our feelings. God can speak to us through dreams and visions that that God is a supernatural God, and he speaks in spiritual ways to his children. But the thing about this is this can be somewhat subjective. It's difficult sometimes for us to know if our thoughts are from God or from ourselves, if our feelings are from God or from ourselves, if our dreams are from God or from some bad pizza we had. Just making sure you guys are there. All right. And so when I first began to to learn about the idea that God speaks to his people, I was in college, I was around these uh, people at this church all the time. They were always talking about God speaking to them. And as they prayed, they heard God say. and, And two things became important for me. Two things that I think and hope are important for you as well. The first one is this. I wanted to hear God for myself. I wanted to hear God. I didn't want to just hear these people say they could hear God. I didn't just want to go and hear a pastor once a week hear from God. I wanted to hear God talk to me. And then the second thing is I wanted to make sure I was hearing right. I mean, all of us want to make sure what we've heard is right. You don't want to go off on a trail and say, God told me to do this, I think, maybe, and then you find out that's not what God had for you. So we want to hear from God on our own, and we want to hear from God and know that that's actually what he's saying. But this can be difficult because his spiritual voice can be incredibly subjective. And so God gives us some other voices that will help confirm this. And so today I want to talk to you about The second kind of voice that God will use for us. And if you were here last week, uh, I gave you a label for it that I'm going to change today. Last week, I said, we're going to look at God's three voices. The first one is his spiritual voice. The second one is his written voice. And the third was a practical voice. But I didn't like that word even as I used it. So I, I spent some time this week debating with one of the staff members. We got out a bunch of synonyms. We just talked through it. And we really arrived at this point. There is no good word for what I want to cover today. There is no good word. So we're going to call it this, and we're just going to go ahead and admit this is not the best. It's not a perfect term, but we're going to say it's God's physical voice. And by physical voice, we mean that God speaks through physical things in a physical world. We thought about using the word practical, but the reality is every part of God's voice should be very practical, shouldn't it? And we thought about, well, if last week was spiritual, then we'll call this natural because it's natural people or something. It's a natural world. Well, no, because that seems to be opposite of what we said last week. And and they're not opposite of each other. Matter of fact, we're still going to need to hear from God's spirit to know if what we hear in God's physical voice is still correct. So we're just going to go ahead and admit there's not a perfect word. Is that okay? Can everybody go with that? Not a perfect word, but what I mean by his physical voice is God speaks through physical things in a physical world, and there are two primary things that we're talking about. The first one is people, right? Physical people all around us in our physical world. The second one is circumstance. We have physical circumstances that will direct us, that will tell us if we should turn to the right or to the left. Now, as soon as I said that, many of your brains went all different directions, Because one of the oldest debates all throughout Christian history forever and still today is just how much of our circumstances does God actually control? How far does God's sovereignty go? We've got some people who would say God only controls the big events. That for God, it's kind of like a bumper car ring. Like you just stay in the ring. You can bump around all day long, just stay in the ring. God's just going to make sure we get to the book of Revelation. But there's a whole lot of bouncing around in between, right? Then you're going to have somebody on the other end that is going to say, you see that leaf falling from a tree? Yep, God made it fall right there. God's in control of where the leaves fall. I'm going to leave it to you to decide where you are because the nice thing I'm going to do for you today is not try to answer that question. Maybe another day, maybe another time, but for today, all I'm going to do is make sure we understand one thing. Whether you believe God controls the big stuff or you believe God controls the little stuff, I just want to show you in the Bible that God controls stuff. God controls our stuff. And so this is not your primary passage. You don't have to turn there, but I'm going to show you two things real quick. And the first one comes out of the book of Acts, where it says, From one man he made all the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. That means God decided when they would come and when they would go, when they would be on the earth, when they wouldn't. But God also decided who got to be where. And by circumstance determined that very thing. And so that means that God said some people get Caribbean islands and the rest of us get Columbia, South Carolina. But God still loves us and we're happy for that. You know, a second example is all throughout Proverbs, all throughout Psalms, multiple times, time and time again, you see verses that say something just like this. "That says, man's steps are ordained by God. How then can a man understand his way? Man's steps ordained by God. How can a man understand his way? Okay, if you're not convinced yet, let me give you one last example. And this was the disciples. Okay, so here's how the story went. Jesus came. He spent three years, every waking moment, with these 12 men, teaching them everything, showing them everything. They watched him heal people, raise people from the dead. They heard every sermon he ever gave. You'd think these guys would have all the answers, right? And then after Jesus was crucified and rose again... You may not be aware, he didn't immediately go to heaven, but the Bible tells us he spent 40 days teaching his disciples about the kingdom of God, and then he ascended to heaven. 40 days teaching about the kingdom. That was pretty cool. Then there was a problem. The disciples looked at each other and said, Man, can you believe I forgot to ask Jesus? I forgot to ask him this question. What are we going to do? Because here's the problem. If you know where this is in the Bible, this is in Acts chapter 1. They're asking this question, what do we do? On the next page, you flip the page and the Holy Spirit's poured out. We all have the Holy Spirit living within us. We can hear God's spiritual voice, but we've got to go back a page. That hasn't happened yet. So here they are. Jesus came. Jesus is gone. The Holy Spirit's yet to come. And they're going, what do we do? How do we know what to do? And here was their question. Man, we wish we should have asked Jesus. There used to be 12 of us. Right now, there's only 11 because, you know, Judas, he kind of did the Judas thing, right? Everybody knows the Judas. thing. Who's going to take his place? Well, Jesus isn't here to tell us, and the Holy Spirit isn't here yet to tell us, how do we know? Guess what they did? They did what every good Christian would do. Hey, somebody go get the dice. Let's roll them. I'm not kidding. The Bible says they cast lots. Casting lots was an Old Testament, uh, Old Century version. I mean, 2,000 years ago, it means they would have stones that had markings on them, and they would either boil them in a pot and see what they did, or something like that. They had a different way of doing that. But basically, here's what they said. Oh, we don't have Jesus' voice, and we don't have a spiritual voice. So God, we're just going to believe you're in charge. We're going to believe that whichever way the stones land, it's you saying what you want. So here we go. Is it this guy? Is it this guy? And they rolled the dice because they believed God was in control of their circumstances. So what I want to do today is is we're going to have two main passages, actually. We're going to have one where we look at how God speaks through our circumstances, and then we're going to have one where we look at how God speaks through people. And so the first one is in Numbers chapter 22, verse 22, if you want to turn with me. That's way back at the left-hand side of your Bible, near the beginning. And so we're going to pick up a story about a guy named Balaam. Balaam was a guy who could speak curses, he could speak blessing, he was a spiritualist of sense, and, and so people would hire him to maybe do some of these sorts of things. And so at the point in the story where we are, a king did not like the people of God. He was, he was looking over there in the whole valley as the people of God, over there, they over there. And he didn't like that. So he says, let's go hire Balaam. Balaam will come and curse those people for me. And so he sent people to invite Balaam to come and do that very thing. He's trying to hire Balaam to speak a curse. Balaam asked God if he should go. God said no. They came back. They asked again. Balaam asked again, any parents in the room know what it's like when parents ask the same question twice? Kids ask the same question twice, right? All right, so that's what Balaam did. So this time God says, okay, go. But that's not really what God had in mind. So we pick up the story right here. Verse 22, it says, God's anger was kindled because he went. And the angel of the Lord took his stand in the way as his adversary. Now he was riding on the donkey and his two servants were with him. And the donkey saw the angel of the Lord standing in the road with a drawn sword in his hand. And the donkey turned aside out of the road and went into the field. And Balaam struck the donkey to turn her into the road. PETA fans in here? Anybody? No? (laughs) Then the angel of the Lord stood in a narrow path between the vineyards with a wall on either side. And when the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, she pushed against the wall and pressed Balaam's foot against the wall, so he struck her again. Then the angel of the Lord went ahead and stood in a narrow place where there was no way to turn, either to the right or to the left. And when the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, she lay down under Balaam. And Balaam's anger was kindled, and he struck the donkey with his staff a third time. Now, we're going to skip a part of the story right here, but this is a great part where Balaam's donkey turns around and says, What the heck? Seriously? And and there's this great conversation between Balaam and his donkey as though it were a very normal thing to talk to your donkey. But we don't have time for that today. We're going to go right on to what happens after that. So picking it up in verse 31. It says, Then the Lord opened the eyes of Balaam, and he saw the angel of the Lord standing in the way with his drawn sword in his hand. And he bowed down and fell on his face. And the angel of the Lord said to him, Why have you struck your donkey these three times? Behold, I have come out to oppose you because your way is perverse before me. The donkey saw me and turned aside before me these three times. If she had not turned aside from me, surely just now I would have killed you and let her live. Then Balaam said to the angel of the Lord, I have sinned, for I did not know that you stood in the road against me. Now, therefore, if it is evil in your sight, I will turn back. And the angel of the Lord said to Balaam, no, go with the men, but speak only the word that I tell you. So Balaam went with the princess. What we're going to see here are three key things that God will do to speak to us through our circumstances. And the first one is to reveal. God will reveal to us something that we are not seeing or hearing in any other way. And so what we see at this point is Balaam is just taking a ride on the donkey to go to work. Y'all realize that's what he's doing? He's been hired by somebody to go and do something. So this is just like you and me, our morning drive. We get in our car. We're headed off. We're ready to do exactly what we're going to do. And we're, it's 8.55. You're supposed to be at work at 9, and you live 30 minutes from the office, right? You know what I'm talking about, one of those kind of days. And then there is some slow driver in front of you. And so you want to, like, blow your horn and speed up and race around them and do your thing because you know what's best. You don't have time to stop and ask a question. You don't need to think about this. this is exactly what Balaam was doing. A donkey can see the angel of the Lord, but Balaam is just focused on where he's headed. He's got to go do his thing, and he doesn't care about what else is going on. He never bothered to ask the question the first time the donkey went off into the field. He never assumed, hey, God, are you up to something? No, he's just got to beat the donkey and get it back on course. And you and I do that all the time, right? That's when you blow your horn, you pass the person. How many times have you ever done, I did this in college, some slow driver in front of me, I'm like, who do you think you are? I pass them and the next thing I know, blue lights. It turns out maybe that slow driver was a, was a good circumstance I should have listened to, right? We do that sort of thing all the time. literally happened to me this week. There was somebody in front of me. They were going slower than I wanted to go. I almost passed them. And then, like we learned last week, God's spiritual voice, I felt like, nope, shouldn't do that. And as soon as we went around the curve, there was a cop. I've got a few tickets in my life, so I know what that would be like. I know how fast I would have driven if I hadn't have paid attention to what was going on. But we do just like Balaam. We don't listen. We're not focused. We're not asking the question. We just see what we want to see. We do what we want to do. We know what we want to go. And we're just headed about life. Every single one of us got to go to work today. Got to go to the grocery store. Got to do this. Got to go home. Got to take care of the kids. I mean, we stay so busy that we're not seeing. We're not hearing. We got a plate. We didn't have time to say, God, do you want me to go on this journey today? Which way do you want me to drive to work today? We, we don't take time to ask those questions. So we're not seeing, we're not hearing. And so God in his mercy, it's actually merciful, do you realize this? God in his mercy will dictate our circumstances because we didn't bother to ask. God, if I go that way to work or if I go this way to work, which one is better for me? And God says, well, if you go this way to work, actually, you know, an 18-wheeler may cross the middle line and this may be your last day. You could go this way. But we don't always ask those questions. So as we turn to go this way, now it suddenly turns out there's a car broken down. So we never mind, I'm going to go this way. God uses circumstances to reveal to us what we're not bothering to look for any other way. The second thing that God will do through our circumstances is to protect us. Did you hear what the angel said? Think about his circumstances. First of all, he was riding a donkey. His servants were walking. He could have been walking. And had he have just walked... There would have been nothing to force him off into the field. If he had not been riding a donkey, what would have happened to Balaam? He would be dead. He'd be dead. The angel said, I don't like what you're doing. You are going against the way of the Lord, and I would have killed you right now if it hadn't have been for this. The donkey saved you. God will use our circumstances to protect us. And the third one, God will use our circumstances to direct us. And the reason that he does this is because sometimes we're not asking those questions otherwise, or we just don't know how serious God is about something. I mean, think about it. We got teenagers in the room. It's it's almost the end of a senior year. Got a lot of you, you're like applying for college and you're trying to, I want to do this. I want to do that. I think I know what's best for me. And so you just, you just pick something because the, the team won the tournament or, or the jersey looks cool or the color is neat or your girlfriend's going to that school or something like that. And you apply, you don't get in could be that god's directing your path and it's better that you not get into that school and get into some other trouble when you get there or something like who knows in balaam's case let's back up and remember what's going on balaam asked god if he could go and god said no so balaam did what everybody would do which is can i ask you again i didn't like that answer can we try this again that first of all tells you something balaam is not taking very seriously what god would say he doesn't have a very great fear of god I would like to assume that if I actually went and talked to God and God said something, I wouldn't try it again. I'm going I'm to hope, you know, I don't know. I may not be any better than Balaam. But Balaam says, hey, God, can I do this? God says, no. He's like, hey, can I ask you again? God didn't like your last answer. So clearly, Balaam is missing out on something. Now, here's the next problem. The person who has hired Balaam is a king. And he has a lot of power and a lot of wealth. And he has promised to Balaam, if you will come, And curse those people over there, which happen to be the people of God, the Israelites. If you will curse these people, I will give you a lot of money. I will give you glory. I will give you honor. I will give you a position of influence. I am going to make your life great. We've already figured out Balaam is a little bit after what he wants. And so God needs to make sure that when he goes, he does what God wants him to do. And there's only one way to do that. And that is to put an incredible holy fear of God in him before he goes. And how do you do that? Well, put an angel standing in his way with a sword in his hand. That'll get your attention, won't it? I mean, I don't know about you, but if God wanted me to do something at work tomorrow, God's like, I need you to say what I'm going to say. And there are some smart people where you work, because, you know, it's Grace Life Church. There's smart people there, right? But I don't need you to do what they say. Uh-uh, I need you to do what I say. So let's imagine on the way to work, the first thing that happens is my car talks to me. Then the second thing that happens when I get out and talk to my car, I see an angel talking to me. How many of you think I'm going to actually do what the angel said when I get to work? Come on, right? That's called a holy fear. You're like, oh, my gosh, my car talked. Cars don't talk. My car talked, right? Or my dog, my donkey, whatever it is. By the time your donkey has talked to you and you've seen an angel who threatened to kill you and let you live, let me promise you, you're going to pay attention to what God is doing. And so God said, no, 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 now you can go. Now you can go because you understand when you get there, don't you say a word that I don't say. Don't you dare do anything for glory, honor, money. Too bad. You are going to do what I say. God will use our circumstances to direct us, to protect us, and to reveal what we are not seeing in any other way. Let's talk about people. God also speaks through people. So this is also going to be a story right around the corner there in Exodus. Just flip a few pages, and we're going to be in chapter 18. We're going to pick up the story in verse 13. And we're looking at a guy named Moses, pretty common guy that's really actually very good at hearing the voice of God. So it's a very interesting story for us. And so we're going to pick it up. Verse 13 says, The next day Moses sat to judge the people, and the people stood around Moses from morning till evening. And let's just stop for a second and contemplate that. Morning, morning till evening anybody in here work like 16 hours a day six days a week do y'all know what Moses feels like There, there weren't any hands that's good I'm proud of you people yeah you shouldn't be working like that but that's Moses's job from morning until evening he has a line of people in front of him that he's got to deal with all day long and on top of that Moses might be like a high d type leader who doesn't like people that could even be worse right I mean, this would be like the worst job in the world for me. Make me spend all day talking to people. That's not good. Y'all know I'm not a people person, right? I'm not. i just just who I am. On the disc test, the little people part, I don't do very well. When Moses' father-in-law saw all that he was doing for the people, he said, What is this that you are doing for the people? Why do you sit alone and all the people stand around you from morning till evening? And I want you to hear what Moses' reply was. He said to his father in law, Because the people come to me to inquire of God, when they have a dispute, they come to me and I decide between one person and another. Oh my gosh. I want you to think about this for a minute. This is Moses, who used to have the coolest job on the planet. This is the guy who heard the voice of God through a burning bush. Do you know what his previous job was? He went to Pharaoh and said, let my people go. And Pharaoh said, no. And he says, all right, watch this. Boom, power of God, 10 plagues. And and Pharaoh sets his people free. I mean, this was his last job. What he did in work yesterday, he went, climbed up on Mount Sinai, spent 40 days and 40 nights there getting the 10 commandments, meeting with God alone. That is what he was doing. And now suddenly, I just need you to picture this. They bring out a chair, give him a little table, a little cup of water. Moses sits down, mourning all right, bring it on. What's the dispute? Anybody in here ever had to like be a middle school principal? Teach elementary school, you know what I'm talking? All right, here you go. He He took my donkey. I told him if he took my donkey, he could borrow my donkey for a day, but, but he had to give it back at the end of the day. They go, oh, no, no, I, I traded you a sheep for that donkey, and, and you said that I could keep the donkey. No, no, I was just loaning you the donkey for a day. I mean, can you imagine doing this all day long? Okay, here it is. Give him the donkey back to him. You give the sheep back to him. You guys, next, he took my camel. No, he said he would give me a camel if I gave him three chickens and, and worked his garden for him. I worked his garden. I gave him three chickens. Can you imagine what it would be like 16 hours a day from morning until evening? All he is doing is listening to a million people whine, whine. He took part of my garden. He moved the rock. The rock was the boundary. He moved the rock over three feet. He's got part of my garden. He stole my garden from me, Moses. Can you tell him to give me my garden back, Moses? I want my garden back. Moses Moses spends his entire day disillusioned, frustrated, doing the most miserable job on the planet, especially if he's not a people person. So Moses' father-in-law said to him, what you're doing is not good. You and the people with you will certainly wear yourselves out for the thing is too heavy for you. You're not able to do it alone. Follow this sentence. Here's what he says to Moses. Now obey my voice. I will give you advice and God be with you. Whoa. Those are pretty heavy words, aren't they? Obey me, I'm going to speak, and God's going to be with you if you do what I say. Now, either he's pretty sure that God has given him some good advice, or he is really arrogant. He's got some good advice, it turns out. He says, you shall represent the people before God and bring their cases to God, and you shall warn them about the statutes and the laws and make them know the way in which they must walk and what they must do. You know what he just said to him? He said, you know what your problem is, Moses? You spend all day trying to do a job that one man can't do, and on top of that, it's not your job. You're supposed to be the leader. Get up. Go lead the people. Go talk to God. Find out what they need to do and lead them in how to worship God. Get back to being a leader. Quit being a referee. Who called you to be a referee of the whitey kids? Go be a leader. Do what you've been called to do. Go hear God's voice and lead them. He went on to say, Moreover, look for able-bodied men from the people, men who fear God who are trustworthy and hate a bribe, and place such men over the people as chiefs of thousands, of hundreds, of fifties, and of tens. And let them judge the people at all times. Every great matter they'll bring to you, you're not going to miss out on anything important, Moses. But any small matter, they shall decide themselves. So it will be easier for you, and they will bear the burden with you. If you do this, God will direct you. There he goes again, actually talking like he's the voice of God. If you do this, God will direct you. You will be able to endure, and all this people also will go to their place in peace. Now, we need to just stop and make sure you understand the situation. God is speaking to Moses through a person. This guy, his father in law, his name is Jethro, is giving him wisdom that he clearly wasn't displaying in his own life. But let's make sure we understand something. This is Moses. This is Moses. This is the guy we talked about last week. We all agreed how awesome it would be if we could be walking around our backyard and suddenly one of our shrubbery caught fire and the voice of God came out of it. How awesome would that be? We're like, we want to be Moses. This is the guy who would go in and talk to Pharaoh and say, let my people go. Pharaoh would say no, so he'd go back out and talk to God. Find out what plague to do, he would go back in. He'd come back out and talk to God, he'd go back in, back out and talk to God. He talked to God more than anybody we knew. You and I have Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy all because of, of his conversations with God. That's what that is. This guy could hear from God better than anybody. So why in the world? Please tell me that's the question you're asking. Why in the world would God need to speak through a man named Jethro to get Moses' attention? Anybody want to know why? Go with me? In the phrase, morning till evening is the answer. Morning till evening, he was doing the most frustrated, disillusioning, overwhelming, tasking, emotionally exhausting job you could imagine. Morning till evening. Now, I'm sure none of you know what I'm talking about. None of you have a routine that starts early in the morning where you've got to get up because you got to have some prayer time. you got to get to the gym because you got to exercise before you get to work. You've got a 10-hour day. You've got important meetings with the boss. you got a presentation after lunch. And then you've got to go by, pick up the dry cleaning and do something for, get your wife's car back out of the, the garage, you know, because it was getting an oil change. And then you got to go home, take one kid to little league practice and another kid to a piano recital. And then you got to go home and fix uh, something at the refrigerator because it's not keeping the food cold anymore and all the groceries will be bad by the next morning and then you know comes nighttime and you're like oh i am just so refreshed i would love a two-hour prayer walk to talk to god or, 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 the, or the mom who, who's, who's at home with six kids and says, oh, well, I need to, to cook dinner, but I can't cook dinner because the dishes are dirty from lunch. I haven't had a chance to wash the dishes for the lunch that I cooked for the six kids. And actually because the dishes from breakfast are still in the sink as well because of the, I had to cook them breakfast and had to get six kids up and out to school and everything else. And so somebody needs to come along to you and say, if you've got six kids, why are you doing the dishes? Why? Because you've got six kids and you're too busy running around to sit down and go, God, is the way I'm doing this stupid? Would there be a better way to do this? Moses, here's his problem. He's never taken time to stop. He's so overwhelmed with the busyness of life, he's never taken time to stop and say, Hey, God, am I doing this in a good way? And even the person who can hear the voice of God better than anyone at that point, Moses, I mean, Moses can get so overwhelmed with the duties of life and the busyness of life and the keeping up with the routine and the frustrated job, the job you hate, you do 10 hours a day, 12 hours a day, 16 hours a day. You hate it. And just like Moses didn't go and, oh, thank you, God, let's let's talk about my day. You got any wisdom about how I do my job? No, Moses went and did the Old Testament version of Sit Down and Veg on Netflix. What is there to watch? Because I just need to tune out. And that's what we do. So we go from rat race to rat race to rat race to rat race. And we never have time to say, hey, God, what are you saying to me? We're so busy doing things for everybody else. And so sometimes God sends somebody to knock on your door and go, hey, have you ever thought about this? You ever considered teaching your kids how to wash those dishes? You ever considered maybe like you don't need to have as much on your schedule? You ever thought? And we will see people be the voice of God for us. We see where Scripture talks over and over about how God spoke through David, a man, how God spoke through Isaiah, a man, and a host of others. I could just list hundreds of examples of where Scripture says that God spoke by His Spirit through a man. God speaks through people. God speaks through circumstance. God speaks through people. God speaks through circumstance. The greatest question for you and I today as we stand here and we think, okay, wonderful, great, what do I do about that? How do I apply this to my life? I'm hoping that every one of you has already figured out what's wrong with what I've told you so far. You should have a deep question that is coming into mind, which is, okay, God speaks through circumstance. But how do you know, Jimmy? How do you know when an open door is God saying, go ahead, or the enemy saying, come on into my trap? How do you know when a closed door is God saying, no, 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 or the enemy saying, don't you dare? How do you know when a circumstance is God saying, go, or God saying, no? How do you know? Who wants to know the answer to that? Anybody? All right, here's your answer you can't. You cannot know from the circumstance alone. And let me show you an example. Paul said this, 1 Corinthians. And he says, here's what I'm going to do. I will stay on at Ephesus until Pentecost. And here's why. Because a wide door for effective ministry has opened to me. Good. And there are many adversaries. No, not good. Wait a minute, Paul, I'm not following you. So your circumstances are You've got this great opportunity. Every time you preach, people are getting saved. People are following Jesus. This is amazing. And people want to kill you. So you might not ever get to preach again. If you stay, you can preach and people get saved. Unless you stay and get killed, then you don't get to preach ever again. I'm not really following you, Paul. How is it that you know, should you stay or should you go? How do you know? In one sentence, Paul summed up our dilemma. For some reason, Paul knew that he should stay. If you were here last week, I told you that of everything I said, one word, one single word was more important than anything else. Just to see if you guys are paying attention, I'm going to test you. What was the one word from last week? Trust. Thank you. Thank you. Trust. We've got to trust that God speaks to us. Without that, we have nothing. We have to trust God speaks to us. Today, I'm going to give you one word. I'll ask you again next week, see if you remember this as well. Today, your word is confirmation. Can you guys say that? confirmation and so here's what happens when god speaks through one of his voices god will confirm it through his voice and so when your circumstance is saying great work amazing opportunity and somebody wants to kill you when god says here's your circumstance then you also need something else you either need a person who says let's choose one or the other Or you need the spiritual voice of God, which we learned about last week. Again, everything in this series is built upon that. If you have not heard that one, please go back and hear that one because we're going to refer to it repeatedly. And it really is the cornerstone. If you can only hear one of the five, that's the one you need most, okay? But here's something that's in Scripture you may not know of. Paul, same guy that wrote that. Another place about another city. So it's not the same city. It's not the same event. But God said to him in his spirit, don't you worry, Paul. I've got you protected. I've got people in this city. I've got lots of people. You are safe. You keep doing what I've called you to do. And so it's very possible at this moment that as Paul is saying, well, I've got a great door of opportunity and I've got a lot of adversaries. It could be that Paul's circumstance is remembering. It could be that Paul is reflecting upon what what has God ever said to me? Has God ever told me that I'd be okay? So maybe it's a spiritual voice confirmation God God says, don't worry about the adversaries. I've got your back. And so that's the same thing you and I will get into. Somebody will come to you and say, I've got a job offer for you. It's a great job. It's going to take a lot of time, a little bit of sacrifice on part of your family. Should you do this or not? Circumstances, well, I need a job. That's good. But It's going to take a lot for my family. That's bad. Do I go? do Do I not? What do I do? Well, we can have that voice confirmed. So we've talked about God's spiritual voice. As you talk to God about this, as you say, God, I've got this job opportunity. And you start talking to God. What does he say? What do you think he is saying to you? Is he saying, do this or not do this? What do you feel? Remember from last week, do we feel peace? Like God saying, yeah, I've got you. It's going to be okay. It won't be as bad as you think. Or God saying, no, 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 no. Your family, this is not going to be good for your family. Don't take this step. What do you feel? Do you feel restraint or concern or do you feel peace to move forward? And then how about people? We've been talking about how people can speak. What do the people around you think? I mean, your boss may love you. Then again, your boss may just want the job done and they don't care who does it and how it happens and they don't care who dies along the way. So maybe you need to consider other voices. What does your your wife say? Does your wife say, go take the job? Or does your wife say, no, honey, I I don't think this is a good thing for us. What do your kids say? No, daddy, no, i want to never see you again. You'll be working all the time. Or yay, great, it's a good job, Whatever. Who's speaking? Do you go to your life group with the other people in your life and they say, no, I just have a bad feeling? Or yes, this is a good feeling. God speaks. And then we'll learn more next week about this when God also speaks through Scripture. Are you being offered a job and there's something in the Bible that will actually contradict it? Does your job have some unethical things that you're going to be required to do? Well, then you've kind of got an answer from that already. And so confirmation is what we're looking for. Our circumstances need to be confirmed. That is the difference between an open door from God and a temptation from the enemy, a trap. A closed door from God and resistance from the enemy is confirmation through people and and His Word and what He's saying through His spiritual voice. So if we're supposed to get confirmed through people, let's talk about people for a second. How do you know if a person is being used by God to speak wisdom to you or if they're just giving you bad advice? That a good question too. How do you know when a person is speaking from God or not? Confirmation. Do they line up with what's going on in your spirit? Does it line up with what is going on in your circumstances? Does it line up with what the Bible would say? I'm going to give you an example. If you were here last week, I began a story that I didn't quite finish. And it was the story about me wanting to do something I saw another dad do. I thought it was super cool. And, and I thought, man, he earned the dad of the year award with his child. And I thought, I want to be the dad of the year. I want to be that cool. So I'm going to do that with my son. And I told you that story last week. I'm not going to tell you all of it again, but the short story was that I was filled with anxiety. I could never come to peace with doing this. I could never wrap my mind around how I wanted to do it because I had to do it a little differently. So I was, it wasn't going to be quite the same. I wanted to do what he was doing in and, and, and my own way, and I could just never figure it out. Every time I'd pray about it, talk about it, I got more anxious and more stressed out. And you need to know I'm not an anxious, stressed-out person. Typically, I handle stress pretty well, and I just go on a prayer walk. And, and I can usually get to a place of peace. I don't live with a lot of anxiety. That was the first point. I felt a lot of anxiety, which is not normal for me. And so I would wake up just anxious and wake up stressed. And so as I told you last week, I sat down and I talked to God about it. I said, God, I, I, what am I supposed to do about this? I'm just getting no peace about it. And God just simply said to me, are you just doing this because Joe did it? Yeah. Well, I haven't called you to Okay, oh, all right. Yeah. Journal in that, okay. And I was about 90% there. Because of the way I felt and because of what I thought God had said, I was like 90% sure I wasn't supposed to do this. But I wanted to really get it confirmed, be really sure. So I sat down with my wife that night to talk. And I'm like, honey, I want to talk to you about this, this rite of passage thing that we've been thinking about doing, and I'm just still so stressed. About it. I got about that far, and then she just interrupted me. Come on, guys, y'all know what it's like? You can't even finish what you want to say? Yeah. She didn't even know what I was going to say. But she just immediately says, why are you doing this? Are you just doing this because Joe did it? Like, oh, I think I heard that once today already. (laughs) Okay, surrender. And that was the other 10%. Now I'm good. Because God confirms through a person what God is speaking to you in his spiritual voice. And the second way that you can know is to look at the person. Are they wise? Are they discerning? Does their life look like somebody who's hearing from God? following God's voice. Now, let me be clear. Those are the kind of people you want to go to to ask a question, but they're not the only people God can speak through. Because here's the truth. If God can speak through a donkey, well, I'll just let you finish that. And you can use the same word on both ends. If God can speak through a donkey, He can speak through anyone. So... We just need to hear God. We need to choose to let God speak. What I want to do is encourage us today. I want to encourage us to be a people who will pay attention. Pay attention. When the thing that you do every single day, the road that you take every single day is suddenly blocked and the thought pops into your head, I could go that way. Huh? Maybe you should pay attention. Here's what I believe. I believe that what's going on around us is a lot less random, a lot less coincidence, and a lot more intentionally directed by a sovereign God. We just tend to not pay attention. We're too busy with our head down. I got to get into this college no matter what instead of saying, hey, God, which college would you like? I got to get this job because my friend works there and I want to work with them. But maybe that's not what God wants. I gotta gotta go here. Gotta do that. Gotta do this thing. Gotta do it this way. Gotta do it on this schedule. Gotta 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 gotta. We're just like Balaam on the donkey. Just keep kicking the donkey. I'm gonna make my way happen. I'm gonna make it. I'm gonna make it. Kick the donkey again. I'm gonna make my way happen. I want us to be a people who will pay attention. Pay attention, and do what Balaam did not do. The first time your donkey turns off to the right, just stop and go. Okay, God, are you trying to speak? Do you have something you want to say here? To quote an old Christian song, God is not silent. We're just not listening. God is not silent. We are just not listening. Because God speaks to us. He has a spiritual voice. He has a physical voice. Next week we'll talk about He has a written voice. I want to close today though by talking to those of you that have yet to make Jesus your king. You saw these baptisms earlier. We've had adults. We've had children all day long. We've been baptizing people. And these are people who have said, I recognize Jesus died for me. And so now I want him to be my king. I want him to be my Lord, my Savior. You see, unfortunately, there is a misbelief in our world. And that is that if you go to church and act good, you will go to heaven. But the reality is that is not an entrance requirement for heaven. No one in heaven is ever going to check your attendance records at church. And you'll never be good enough to deserve the presence of God. No, that's why Jesus died. And so what every single one of us has to do at some point in time, for you, if it happens to be April 30th, 2017, you have to look through the corridors of time, see Jesus on the cross and say, thank you for dying for me. Now I want to live for you. You have to exchange a life in your kingdom with you as king for a life in his kingdom with him as king. And if you've never done that, I want to help you do that here this morning. I'm not going to embarrass you. You don't have to stand up or come down front. I'm going to help you pray. Start a conversation with God right where you're seated. Would you all join me right where you are? Pray something like this to yourself and to God. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you died for me. And now I want to live for you. I thank you for your love, your mercy, and your forgiveness. And my simple prayer in this place today is that you will give me a life of great meaning and great purpose in your kingdom. Amen. Let's celebrate with those people. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Grace Life Podcast. For more information about us, you can go to gracelife.me. That's gracelife.me. You can also follow us on Facebook at facebook.com backslash gracelifeme and on Twitter at gracelifechurch.